TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. And welcome into Two Guys and a Mic. I'm Seth Gruen, filling in for the coach. The big dog will be joining us in about 15 minutes. Uh, which is always an exciting time on this Tuesday and in, in a beautiful TalkZone.com studios of, of Morton Grove. Believe me, I'm glad to be inside. The, the wind is about uh, 50 miles per hour out there. I was driving, saw those uh, stoplights moving back and forth from the wind. I, was, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to make it, but it's a good thing I did. The coaches left a lot of sports talk in my lap today. We're going to talk a little college football, which I always look forward to doing with the big dog. Uh, but we cannot ignore the World Series. That's the big news of the day. And some more baseball news um, also to talk about in terms of possible playoff expansion. But tonight, well, not so uh, a not-so-marquee World Series kicks off. Texas uh, plays at San Francisco. So obviously, the National League won the All-Star game. So the San Francisco Giants have home field advantage. And the pitching matchups are as such, games one through four. We've got Lee versus Lincecum tonight. Uh, Wilson Kane on uh, Thursday, Saturday Sanchez Lewis, and Game Four on uh, a possible Game Four Halloween matchup would be Bumgarner versus Hunter, and that would be back in Texas. Um, obviously, we're going to handicap this and, and and get the big dog's uh, take on on who he thinks is going to win this. I personally um, personally have the San Francisco Giants. I think uh, a lot of criticism about their hitting, obviously, but uh, it held up against the you know. Staunch pitching the Philadelphia Phillies, arguably on paper the best uh, frontline three starters in in baseball. Um, but uh, the bigger the bigger sort of issues I think here are where you pitch Leon Linscombe. Obviously you have have the probables it, according to uh, you know ESPN.com here they're going to be pitching in games one and five. But the question is, do you bring these guys back? Do they do they pitch? Do they pitch three games? Do you bring them back on short rest? And and typically I don't personally like to bring a pitcher back on short rest especially in the early rounds but you know when it comes to the world series obviously these opportunities don't come very often and 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 for texas it's its first and and san francisco hasn't been in the world series in close to 10 years so uh, the question is you bring lee and lincecum absolute freaks absolute playoff pitching freaks um back on short rest and i think the answer is yes especially with with Cliff Lee, because you know you got a situation where the guy's contract's up again, uh, up at the end of the year. I personally don't think the Rangers are going to be able to bring him back because uh, this guy's going to be in Yankee pinstripes. I mean, they're going to they're going to pay him, you know, as, as much as they can to just just to not face him. I mean, they don't even care if his arm's dead. They just don't want to face this guy after what he's done in the playoffs. I mean, he's been a one man wrecking crew, and and obviously, I think if you have the potential to to pitch him in, in three games, if you're the Rangers, that obviously lightens the load on. On your other starters, and, and really, um, with the way Lee has been pitching, uh, assuming he can go, you know, you know, fair, per, you know, fair reasonably well on short rest, it's it, he's he's a guy that you know will, will lighten the load on the pitching staff and the rest of the, the starters, and and um, then they'll only have to win one game to win this thing. So, um, you know, and and obviously we'd like to hear your thoughts. Um, eight eight eight, go for it. That's eight 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 four six three six seven four eight on the World Series or. Uh, 
BCS, anything you want to talk about, college football, you want to talk about Brett Favre's injury, Tony Romo's injury, which which we'll get to when the big dog comes back. But there's one thing I did want to deviate to since I do want to part, want, want to let the big dog participate in the World Series conversation. And and him being a, a gambling wise guy, so to speak, he'll be able to handicap this thing for you. But um, it, it actually just came out that the Players Union, the Baseball Players Union, would um, be open, let's say. I mean, there, there, there was no real... Um, Real feeling either way. No, nothing, nothing hard came out that that the baseball players union would be uh, agreeable to expanding the playoffs and adding a couple of wild card teams. Um, and I have mixed feelings on this. One is that I've always felt that um, the first round should be expanded from five games to seven games, which was part of the story that broke today. And that's because you know you look at a at a 162 game schedule. There's a reason for it. I mean, there's a reason the baseball schedule is so long. You, you know, you have 162 games because over a short five-game series, you really can't tell which team is better. I mean, you really can't. Because on any given day, you know, the, the NFL screams parity, parity, but on any given day, any baseball team can beat another. And when you look at all the baseball teams around the league, I think they almost all lose three games in a row over the course of the season. So it's it's not unheard of that they get swept. You know, I'm a Cubs fan, and people say, oh, the Cubs keep getting swept, but it's not unheard of. Now, granted, we've had... You know, that, that's Cubs luck there. But, you know, the Yankees lost three in a row at some point this year. The Red Sox did. The Braves. The Giants. Any team that made the playoffs. Every team in baseball skids at some point. And I think a seven-game series is more of a sample set. Now, when you talk about adding adding wild card teams, I think, uh, I, think I, I like the current team format. I like the fact there are four teams in each league. Because... Adding a couple of wild card teams just uh, disincentivizes the regular season even more. I mean, it puts the it, it puts puts the top tier teams at a disadvantage. I mean, we already see in baseball that all you need to do is make the tournament to make the World Series, especially if you if you have good pitching like the Giants do, and like the Rangers obviously do. But so to add teams just increases the chances of those division winners losing. I mean that was the original that was the original uh, concern when they added the wild card, when they added the two division teams and the division realignment and and whatnot. What are your thoughts on playoff expansion? Eight 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 go for it. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. As I've said, I'm not for it. I think the, you've already diluted the season enough. I mean, the season is worthless now. Yeah, basically, basically, and I mean, if you expand it, I mean, you're going to turn into a hockey situation where, you know, 16 teams are going in, you know, you're, you're playing for nothing during the season. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, and, and you talk about the people say people are going to point to the NBA and say, well, you know, the best teams win, but the NBA is different. NBA is only 82 games. Right. And not only that, but really there are only three to four teams in every conference that actually have a chance I mean, there, there's such a disparity. There's such a wide range of talent, you know, it, 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 be, between the first seed and the eighth seed that it, it's so rare to see. I mean, even when those eight seeds have won, it's so rare to see them go even past the second round. That I mean, I mean, there's no comparison there. And I know people are going to say, well, you know, the playoff formats and all these different sports have been changed before, and people were hesitant to change it then, and now they're used to it. But this one has to say the same. I mean, and this it contributes to sort of a bigger problem in baseball, and that's the fact that there's no salary cap. I mean, baseball is looking for every possible excuse 
not to fight the union on having some sort of hard cap or some more of a substantial luxury tax. I mean, the luxury tax is so um, it's so minuscule right now. I mean, it affects so few teams that you know the Kansas Cities of the world can't compete. And what is what is playoff expansion also doing? Well, it's also saying the Boston Red Sox or the New York Yankees, hey, don't worry about the regular season. You'll get in anyways. Because the Tampa Bay Rays have proven that, that they, they know how to cultivate their own talent to be uh, competitive. They'll be competitive next year, although they'll be losing Crawford and, and Pena and, and some other possible players who will probably sign with the Yankees or the Red Sox or, or one of those high payroll teams. But they're basically saying, don't worry, Yankees. Don't worry, Red Sox. You guys are going to make the playoffs. I mean, if there were two, if there were, if, if they added two wild card teams this year in the American League, the Red Sox would have made it, and the White Sox would have made it. And in the National League, the uh, the Padres would have made it, and the, and the Cardinals would have made it. I mean, these are teams that are ten games over five hundred here. Cardinals were ten games over five hundred at the end of the season. The White Sox fourteen. And believe me, I cover I cover the White Sox and the Cubs for um, the Northwest Herald, and the White Sox were. At best, an above-average American League team that fattened up on National League competition. I mean, do you really want to dilute the playoffs? Do you really want to dilute the talent? If you want to expand it, make it longer. Make the first round seven games. Don't let it be so dominated by pitching, which I don't think is a bad thing. But you know, allow the teams to um, allow a bigger sample size. We we play as I said, we play a 162 game season for a reason. Your thoughts, 888-GO-FOR-IT, 888-463-6748. We're going to go into a break here. Uh, the Big Dog should join us at the top of the next segment, where we will talk more World Series baseball. He's going to handicap it for you. And as always, I love to talk. We, we we tend to scream when we talk about college football, but we're going to rehash the BCS, talk about whether or not we could see TCU and Boise State in a national championship game, and if that's good for BCS haters. You're listening in the morning. You're listening to Two Guys in a Mic. You've got Seth Bruin filling in for the coach and the big dog joining us at the top of the next segment.
Welcome back into the morning break. Er, t- I keep saying the, I keep saying the morning breaker old radio show. Welcome back in the two guys in the mic here at the Talk Zone Studios in Morton Grove. Eight eight eight, go for it if you want to call in. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. We were talking baseball first segment. We jumped around from the World Series, handicapping that to uh, possible playoff realignment. We'll leave some of that for the big dog when he joins us in just a few minutes. Want to get his take on that and whether or not he'd pitch Lee and Lincecum in three games a possible scenario where they'd pitch game one, four, and seven, uh, which would obviously be um, just make for unbelievable theater. I mean, we talk about, you know, you look at this World Series, and, and it's, it's, it's almost to some degree baseball's nightmare. It's baseball's worst nightmare. I mean, you've got, you know, you got the Rangers, and let's face it, Texas is number one. I mean, all levels, you know, high school, college, and, um, and professional football, although the Cowboys are really stinking it up right now. And... Then you've got the Giants, which is a smaller market team. But, I mean, you know, you look at when when the baseball playoffs have gone up against football, primetime football, like Sunday night football or Monday night football, and, and the NFL's been kicking butt. I mean, big time, big time, even in the Dallas market. So, you know, when you when, and even when the Yankees were on, which is the biggest draw in the country. So when you look at these two teams, the match with these two teams, I'm sure that baseball would have much rather – um, wanted the wanted the Phillies to play to face the Yankees, but uh, this is the way it turned out, and this is why they play each other. Even though on paper those those two teams are probably better, and um, you know I think pitching those two guys, those two marquee pitchers, you know uh, Cliff Lee, a guy who's you know going to have a, obviously a, who's had a stellar playoff career and who can only add it, who who really could end up when all said and done. You know, depending on on where he plays, and obviously if he goes to the Yankees, he's going to have plenty of opportunity to pitch in the playoffs. It could end up being the greatest playoff pitcher of all time. Who knows? And then you've got the freak Tim Lincecum, whose whose arm I'm waiting for to fall off, um, but who's been also phenomenal. Who's been almost just as good. So it would make for great theater. It would make for great theater. But in the meantime, we'll. We'll we'll save the rest of that for the big dog, and I, I wanted to move a little bit to the BCS, and which has come out. So we, you know, not a lot of time for a residue Tuesday, but uh, we'll try to bring in some of the weekends, um, uh, some of the weekend stuff today. Um, Oklahoma lost Missouri on Saturday, which uh, provided somewhat of a BCS shakeup, and uh, Auburn go Auburn beats LSU, so they jump to the top spot. Uh, we now have eight unbeatens left, Auburn, Oregon, and these are in order, Boise State, TCU, Michigan State, Missouri, and then Alabama coming in at, at, at seventh, at seven and one. You know what, I, 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 I look at this, and obviously the big question is, will Boise State or TCU be able to make the national championship? And the answer really is they need two of Auburn, Oregon, uh, or, or I'm sorry, I should say they need three of Auburn, Oregon, Michigan State, and Missouri to lose. Because um, if you're in a BCS conference and you run the table, we all know you go to the national championship. And as it should be, they have a harder schedule. But no, no one would like to see Boise State make it more than me. I think they've proven it over time. And no one goes out and play them, plays them. They, they can't help the conference they're in. Although they are switching to the Mountain West next year, I believe. They can't help the conference they're in. But when I look at all these teams, undefeated teams, I don't think Boise State has much to worry about. I think Auburn's going to lose to Alabama. Because remember, when when Auburn goes to Alabama in that last game of the season, Alabama could be playing for something. Remember, a one-loss SEC team 
can get into the national championship. And as it should be. Still, It's still the toughest conference in football. And I look at Oregon, I think Oregon's going to lose at USC. Boise State's ahead of TCU. Missouri, I think, will eventually lose. I think they, I believe they, they still, they might still need to play Nebraska. They may still need to play Nebraska. And as I look at the schedule here, um, yes, they, they play Nebraska. As a matter of fact, this, uh, they play in Nebraska this Saturday, as I, as I thought. And, and I have that as a loss. But the one team, the one big conference team, I think has a shot at the national championship, and surprisingly so is Michigan State. Now, I remember Michigan State because of the wacky Big Ten schedule, and obviously I, I, I'm a Big Ten fan, so you know you'll you'll rarely hear me knock the Big Ten. But they they don't play Ohio State, which is to their benefit. This Saturday they they they, they travel to Iowa, and that's a primetime game on ABC. If if they win it, they have a legitimate shot at running the table. They play Minnesota, Purdue, and Penn State. Minnesota and Purdue are basically gimmies, and they play at Penn State. And Penn State, don't forget, as that freshman quarterback. Illinois, my alma mater, gave them a run for their money. So I think I think Michigan State is in the best shape of these undefeated teams. I mean, they control their own destiny. Boise State and TCU need help. But the one thing I want, I want a big conference school in the national championship. Because if Boise State and TCU make it, you're going to hear... The SEC and the Big Ten and the Pac-10 screaming, well, we weren't in it. We weren't in it. This doesn't count. Black mark on this national championship, put an asterisk next to it, which we all know is bull. They're all competing for the same trophy. They're all competing for the same trophy. But as a proponent of the playoff, which most people are, I know there are some who say, well, I love how every game counts in the regular season. Every game will still count in the regular season if we have a playoff. But this will be more of a – if Boise State goes in and plays Alabama or plays a Michigan State or an Oregon and they beat them and they go in and they beat that big, bad, big conference school, which they've they've already done. Don't forget they beat Oklahoma in that Fiesta Bowl. Then I think that will be more of an indication that we should move towards a playoff, that college football should move towards a playoff. And don't forget also that Boise State and TCU played each other, uh, have played each other the past two bowl seasons. And the conspiracy theory, which I believe that they matched up Boise State and TCU because college football and the BCS didn't want two undefeated, uh, non-BCS teams. Your thoughts on this? Your thoughts on who would you like to see in the national championship? What do you think of the latest BCS standings and how they're going to shake out? Should Auburn have jumped Oregon? Oregon's been kicking everybody's butt. 888-GO-FORTS, our number. That's 888-463-6748. Yeah, that's another thing I don't understand. And maybe somebody can explain it to me. The formula is how the computer works. How 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 did Auburn jump Oregon? I mean, how do, how do you fall in the standings in the BCS by winning? You know, obviously there's some sort of formula, but um, I, I I just don't see how if, if you're number one and you keep winning, how in the hell can you you, you fall in the standings? Well, good news now we got the big dog on the line. What's up, big uh, dog? How are you? Uh, 
uh, doing pretty well. You know, uh, I have a extremely busy mornings, and right now I'm I'm watching an arrest of a hooker outside of a ward. This is it's really she was solicited or he was solicitating somebody, and uh, the woman actually turned him in. It was it was pretty funny. Wait, it was a male hooker? Yes, we a had male hooker. A gigolo. Yes, a gigolo. Well, that's that's the that's a, that's a risque vocation. <laughs> Uh, but after I heard your uh, college football talk, I had a pipe in. I had I had to join the yeah, of course, of course. Of We're show. talking about. I I know that um, you know basically what I was getting into was, you know, it, well obviously handicapping Boise Boise State and TCU's chances, but you know more more on a level of, and we're both BCS haters. Would you want to see Boise State and TCU in the national championship? Or do you yeah. want one of those teams to play a big conference team? I, I am I am not a snob whatsoever. I'm not a football snob, and I played at a smaller school, so I have no problem. If, if the two best teams in the country are Boise State and TCU, I want them to play. But, you know, don't forget Utah. Everybody's forgetting about Utah. All they've done this season is remain undefeated and absolutely annihilate every single opponent since the first week of the season when they got by Pittsburgh in overtime. Yeah, so, but I no, I'm and I'm not I'm not denying that Utah is good, but they're going they're going to need a ton of help. A well, ton of help cuz not only do they need pretty much all of the big conference all the BCS conference undefeateds to lose, they're also going to need either TCU or Boise State to lose. I mean, they need a lot of help. Well, Boise State that, and TCU also need help. That definitely can happen for them because uh Utah plays TCU after they're going to end up playing Air Force this week. Right. So they knock TCU out all of a yeah. sudden. They're going to have a nice little bump in their in their strength of schedule after they beat Air Force and then after they beat TCU. And and like you said, you know, how does a team that's number one, how do they go down in the rankings? Well, it, when Boise State moves up to one or two after USC beats Oregon this week and after uh, Ole Miss beats Auburn, okay, after those two games happen and they fall, well, when Boise State gets into the number one spot and then they start playing the Louisiana Tech and the Fresnos of the world, they're going to end up plummeting. Utah still has a chance. So, and, and as much as I hate the BCS, I am a gigantic opponent to the GP, uh, to the, the, to the BCS. So let's give it credit for at least this part of the season. It's full flowing. So if Auburn continues to win, and, uh, I mean, they, they will make it because they're in the SEC. But the, the thing is, is this, they do a good job. The BCS does a good job of at least moving teams every single week. If you're in the, if you're voted number one and you win, you stay number one 99% of the times, even if you had an ugly performance and somebody else had a beautiful performance. Oregon so, didn't. Oregon didn't this year, this week. Auburn jumped them. Well, I think deservedly so, though. Well, see, but there was a, there was a, there was another team that was number one previously to them. It was Oklahoma, right? No, I, yeah. So they they fell. I, I, I don't re, don't forget the BCS also doesn't take taking the ten score. They they don't take margin of victory into it. Okay, I was just talking about the regular voters poll. Okay, and Oregon mm-hmm. was number one in the voters poll. Oregon Auburn went number one in the BCS poll. So I'm just saying, it, considering that there's still Seven weeks of the BCS poll remaining, don't take it too seriously. And the reason why people like, right, see, I used to be just like you, Seth. 
I, I, I just learned not to worry about it anymore because both of us are so against the BCS that when they when we see blatant errors with seven weeks remaining, we we really get upset about it. Well, but I, I've learned to not deal with it. I just like I whatever you know we're, we're going to get stuck. Somebody's going to get screwed at the end of the year. Let's just find out who it's going to be. And I should clarify: I have no problem with using the BCS as a ter- as a determinant for the play for a, uh, a potential playoff. Yes. I'm with you on that. I, but uh, I, although I, I do like your system the best, where you take the winner of each conference and then what is it? Uh, five at large teams. It'd be it'd be 16 teams make yeah. it, and the BCS would determine the five at large teams and then the rankings of this of those 16 teams. So basically, you would have like right now to say if it ended right now, uh, you would have uh, like Troy, the 16 team who is probably going to win the Sun Belt, taking on. Oregon or Auburn in like the one sixteen game, which right. would be oh, oh my goodness, are you talking that would and and in my and what what that does and I want I want to get back to something else you said but what that does is it not only puts it more of an emphasis on the conference schedule but also encourages those big time teams to go schedule a Boise State to try to improve their strength of schedule to get an at large bid. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's really the perfect system. And, and people and people out there would say, well, we have the perfect system now because it's a playoff all the time. No, it's not a playoff all the time. If you lose in on October 1st, your season is done for the right. national championships. It's, unless you're Alabama, right. Ohio State, or maybe like a USC, you know, depending on how you are seen at the beginning of the season. If Oregon loses now, they're done and they don't have a chance because they weren't one of the top teams at the beginning of the season. Well, Boise State, if they lose, they're done. Their season is over with in terms of national championship or even a BCS Bowl. Well, when Auburn plays um, Alabama in that last game of the season, obviously they still need to go, still need to play the SEC championship. But that could yeah. be a national, de facto national semifinal or national quarterfinal. Yeah. But but back to what we were talking. I mean, the, the system is what it is. So I'm I'm always looking at how can we get from this system to a playoff, and what can well, be obviously the Boise States of the world, you know, winning BCS bowls and whatnot. But the reason, and I'm not a football snob, but the reason, as I said before, you got on that I do not want to see Boise State and TCU play each other in a national championship is because you're going to have all the BCS conferences complaining that we weren't in it, put an asterisk on it. I want to see one of these smaller conference schools go and beat a BCS conference school for the national championship. That's what I want to see. And and I guarantee you this, whoever a Boise State, a TCU, or Utah would play in a national title game, I will be rooting for Boise State or TCU or Utah unless they have – Of course. I'm going to root for the big-time team. But other than that, I'm going to be rooting for the little guy. And, and and you know the, the the crazy thing is is people oh they they don't play football. Did we lose the big dog? I think we might have lost the big dog. What are you saying? He he you know he he makes some good points. I mean I mean really really his 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 system his playoff system is the best because you have the you incorporate those Cinderella type teams that. Um, that that were in, that were in you know that that you, that you get in the NCAA tournament, yet you also get, give an advantage to those those BCS teams that have a harder schedule with the at large bigs. Big dog, you back with us? Yes, yes. I, I have no problem. I, you know, I have no problem realizing. I, I'll admit, yeah, Boise State doesn't play as good a schedule as Auburn or Ohio State. We're not, we can't argue that. 
Well, but it's not their fault either. Yeah, and well, it, it is a tiny bit, just a tiny bit. But then again, you know, it, it's not their fault that they can't. Nobody wants to play them. The fact yeah. that Oregon was willing to play Boise State, you know, the previous years, I tip my hat to them. That Oregon State was willing to play. That Virginia Tech will play. I tip my hat to those schools. I think that's pretty cool. Right. I'll tell you this: it, it, it's not their fault because Boise State will play Florida. Florida will not play Boise State. And if I'm Florida, I wouldn't want to play Boise State with the current system. Why should Florida go schedule that as a non-conference game? Yeah, and they definitely won't go to Boise to play. Oh, for I sure mean, not. Yeah, that, that's the problem. They can't get the home and home. They they can go get the road games, but they they cannot get. Hey, we'll play you this year here. We'll play you you know next year there. They, they definitely don't get that. That's why I really tip my hat to Oregon and, and Virginia Tech who is willing to do that. Well, Virginia you know, Tech was even basically a road game. Yeah, I mean, I, it, you know, technically they said neutral site. It was in Baltimore. But how close is Baltimore to uh, Blacksburg, Virginia? You know, was it a four-hour drive? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, the, the, the simple point of this is I, look at who block and tackle. Forget about what the name is. You know, watch them play. And if you watch Boise State play, you know, it is. Athletes. You know, a couple, yeah, yeah, a couple of years ago it was, it was trick plays, and it was uh, the fact that, you know, they did a bunch of, like, weird stuff to win games against Oklahoma and other big schools. The truth of the matter, they dominate the line of scrimmage. That's a good football team. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. You know, I would one of the things I was doing also, and you know, just for the sake of handicapping it, and I know you're into all that stuff, um, is uh, I, I was looking at at the BCS undefeateds right now that I think have the best chance at running the table. And I don't know if this is going to surprise you, but I think it's Michigan State. Well, yeah, okay, Michigan State goes to Iowa City, right? And they take the Hawkeyes on. And then there's two games. Minnesota uh, and Purdue. They have at home. Those are wins. Right. Those okay. are those. Those. Yeah. Those are those are as, as those are as big a gimmies as you get in the Big Ten. Yeah. That, that's number ten and number eleven in the Big Ten this season. Yeah. And then, and then they they go to Penn State. And and let's, let's face it, Penn State has a bunch of five star athletes. They're having problem at the quarterback position, but who knows? Maybe you know the. The, the freshman Bolden starts playing a little bit better, and all of a sudden they're, they still have Evan Royster, and they got a pretty solid defense. So that's no gimme game going into Happy Valley, especially when Penn State realizes that Michigan State's playing for an undefeated season and a Big Ten title. Uh-huh. You know, so it, it, they still have two extremely tough games left on their on their schedule. Yeah, the only problem with Michigan State is when you look at the it's one of the weaker Big Ten schedules. So again, if Oregon if Oregon goes undefeated. And you have Auburn going undefeated. I, I think Michigan State is not in the national championship. I, I, I agree because they that. don't play. They don't play Ohio. They don't. They didn't play Ohio State. We'll see how Wisconsin finishes up. You know, obviously Michigan is as as faltered a little bit. And well, uh, you Wisconsin know, Wisconsin isn't losing the rest of the season. Michigan is. Wisconsin will not lose the rest of the season. Yeah. So then that's a that's a great win. Mm-hmm. So that's a great win. But. And- um Oregon, though, they basically they only have two extremely tough games left the rest of the season, and that's going to be going to USC this week, which I'm calling an upset on. By the way, everybody is in love with Oregon, and and they're, they're seven and a half point favorites. So they're going to have a battle on their hands. USC is actually a really good football team uh, all of a sudden, and this is like USC's bowl game. Yeah, I agree. And, I, I... and then other than that, that's what they got. Oregon State, and Oregon State has uh, their their quarterback is hurt. So Oregon State could possibly beat them just because it's a civil war and there's been a lot of upsets in that game. 
but there's nobody else on, on or so if Oregon gets past USC this week, they're going to be undefeated and they'll be in the national title game unless it's like don't overlook Arizona. Don't overlook now, Arizona. They play them November 26th. Now is that if it's at Arizona, I agree 100 percent with you. Arizona is it's it's not it's wrong. it's it's in um it's in uh, uh what do you call Oregon. it Oregon. Uh, okay, I can't think. Yeah, of it I, I don't know where. Yeah, neither can I. I. I know what it is. I can't think of it, but uh, um, it, the the simple fact is this. Arizona is a totally different team at home as it is on the road. Ask Iowa. You know, and then they go out, they play on the road, and they get run over. So uh, they would have to show me something that they actually have some testicular fortitude in order to go into uh, Austin Stadium and, and, and beat uh, the Ducks. So and that's the college football this year is it's just it's as crazy as you would want it to be. And uh, Great and, season you know, so far. And, you know, it's funny. It's like an undefeated team, Missouri. All of a sudden, they're getting all kinds of respect because they beat Oklahoma, and I and I I'm I like Oklahoma. I, I've been a fan of them. But I got to tell you something. Oklahoma has five true freshmen starting this year. They lost so much talent off last year's team. Bob Stoops deserves to be the coach of the year so far in college football. Uh, maybe not, but definitely in the Big Twelve because he's getting a lot out of nothing. Missouri really does not have an, a great win yet this season, and they're gonna they're gonna lose before the end of the year. So. I'm the, don't even take them seriously as the number six. Well, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say be- this. Um, as an Illinois fan, Missouri can win all they want because that makes <laughs> that loss even better if, if there is a bad loss. But we're going to head into a break here. Big dog, hang with us. Uh, hopefully you won't get arrested for any uh, solicitation. Well, uh, I, uh, trust me, I'm working it right now. Trust me, I'm showing leg, and this one woman doesn't seem very interested, but her but her sister does. Well, the big dog, so the big dog may or may not. Be back with us next segment, but if he does, we'll, we'll we'll get his thoughts on the World Series. We're also going to talk a little football, a little NFL football. Two major, two quarterbacks having two big time injuries. We'll talk about it here coming up on Two Guys and a Mike. You've got Seth Gruen and the Big Dog Joe Ridwanski. Welcome back into Two Guys and a Mike. you got Seth Druin sitting in studio filling in for the coach. Big dog on the line talking a little college football. 888-GO-FOR-IT if you want to call in and weigh in on anything we've talked about. College football, the NFL, anything. Pick your own topic. That's 888-463-6748. Big dog, are you a gambling man? Um, if you don't realize I'm a gambling man, you obviously haven't, haven't been to my website and 
and check out Big Dog versus the Spread that, and me giving my picks every single week. Comedic picks against the Spread, by the way. And uh, yesterday, big bump, my, my best day ever. I had 560 views on my video just yesterday. So I was like, you know, it's starting to take off, Seth, considering I've only done it for two weeks. You're, yeah, an, enter- yeah. you're an entertaining guy. Well, you, you entertain and you can make people some money. This is This is by far the most entertaining thing I've ever done in my entire life, without a doubt. So I'm pretty happy about it. Yeah, no, that's it. Well, can you can you give us a little? I mean, could, could, could you spoil a little bit? Could you handicap the World Series for us? Tell us who you got. Oh, without question, if you are a betting man, you want to take the Giants, and and here's why, people. I'm not predicting the Giants to win, but this is one of those series that I really think is a coin toss. But I on agree. Paper on paper, there's no doubt that Texas is a better team. Texas has a better lineup. Texas has better. Uh, well, the best starting pitcher, and then the next best starting pitchers are on, on the Rangers. But, you know, Colby Lewis has been really good. The bullpen, the Giants have a little tiny bit of edge in the bullpen. The Rangers have better fielding. You know, but overall, there's like this American League bias. And right now, the Rangers are an 8-5 to five favorite, which I can I, I understand why Vegas knows what they're doing. But if I, if I look at this, I think it's a coin flip. So if, if you're one of those people that have to bet on anything, I would put my money on the Giants. And and just because, you know, what the Giants just seem to, they know when to hit behind runners. They know when to take a pitch. They know when to hit a fly ball. Yeah, they uh, get really timely hitting. I will say that. For all the criticism, they, they for, all, for all the criticism about their hitting, it's really timely. And that, that's what really matters. I mean, mm-hmm. it's hitting with runners in scoring position. And, and, and I've, co- heard, I've so, heard people rip them being like, well, you know, they only have Jeremy Hassel, Brian Wilson in the bullpen. Well, when you have Tim Winston and, and Matt Cain and Jonathan Sanchez going at least seven innings every single game, you only need two relievers at that point. But just to, just to clarify, I mean, that's, that's if you're wavering. I mean, you obviously should bet on who you think is going to win. I mean, if you feel strongly towards one team or another, you pick that team, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. But you're just saying because of the odds and you think it's a coin flip, Yes. go I'm, with the Giants. I'm, I'm talking I'm just talking value in your pick. I, I think it should be a, a, an even spread of 50-50 toss-up. And right now the Rangers are favored, and I don't think they should be. So if if you're just one of those people that is a degenerate gambler that needs help, I, you might as well just bet on the team that's going to you're going to you're going to win more money than you would have to risk. Do you? Let me ask you this: Do you pitch Lee or Lincecum on short rest? Do you try to get them three games in the series? Maybe uh, okay. one, four, and seven. So now, here's the here's the thing is. You, that would also mean that you have to move up Sanchez and you have to move up Kane or you have to move up uh, Colby Lewis or you have to move up Tommy Hunter. Not with the days off, though. Uh, well, well here, if you pitch somebody, if you pitch Lee game one, okay, yeah. and then you pitch Lewis game two, and then there's an off day, and then you pitch Hunter game three, and all of a sudden you come back with Lee. Well, wait, 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 wait. Wilson. Wilson is pitching game two. Okay, Wilson game yeah. two. If you pitch Lee game three, you just push Sanchez back. Okay, but here's then somebody has to move up. If you move up Lincecum to game four, that means the the number two starter has to pitch game five. Do do you see what I'm getting at? Yeah. So no matter what, you have if you have a three man rotation, all of them have to get moved up. That's that's the one thing that people don't realize. Now, if you're willing, if you're willing to, you still need four starters. Okay. So are you going to pitch your fourth starter in the fourth game, or are you going to pitch him in the fifth game? Unless you're going to move up everybody. If you're going to use just three starters, then, yeah, you can do that. But that means you have all three guys pitching on short rest. So that's the thing that you have to think about as a manager. 
you're going to have to pitch your four starter anyways unless you move all three of your pitchers up. So if you really believe in your four starter, you can pitch him in the fifth game and then have Lee or Lincecum pitch, you know, you know, have that battle in game four. But otherwise, all three of your pitchers go on short rest. So that, that's the one thing that people tend to forget is if you move one Well, don't forget you get the day off. Two. Don't forget there are days off in the series, travel so Yeah, days. and it's only between games two and three and between games five and six. So that way it doesn't – but the, the point is, is you would all – if you have – you would still need a day off between. Do you, do you understand what I'm getting at? No, 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 no. I, and I completely understand. But where I'm coming from is that I think the for, first of all, for both these franchises, the, the this opportunity is so rare. I mean, to bring you know, especially for Texas in the American League with Boston and the Yankees, this opportunity is so rare. And I think both of the both of these guys are so exceptional that you want them to have the maximum impact on the series, and especially concerning the Rangers with Cliff Lee. Since I don't think he'll be back next year, why not? Why not? And well, I see what I you're mean, saying. Do you, do you trust D.J. Wilson and, and Colby Lewis to go on short rest? Well, I mean, do you, do you trust Colby Lewis to, to pitch on, on only three days rest instead of four? And do you do the same thing that's, with D.J. Wilson? That's certainly a question. But you, you could pick... If, in the first set of games, if you went Lee Wilson, then the day off, and then, then the day off, and then, and then, then Lewis, then Lewis. Okay, then if you come back with Lee, then you come back with Lee. Then and you then can in game five, Hunter. Then you have then you have uh, Colby Lewis, or you have C.J. Wilson pitching on three days rest. Or are you going to go with Hunter in game five? You go with Hunter game five. Then you go with Hunter game five. Okay. Okay. Then then, then you have the day off. Yeah. Then you can come back with Wilson. Yes. And then, and then also uh, game seven, you would have uh, Lee, and then you can come back with Lee, and and then Colby Lewis also, right? You know, because well, at, game at seven point, you would come, be able to come back with Lee then. So really, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't be on short rest as long as you threw Tommy Hunter in game five, right? Which is what you would have to do. That's what you would do. That's what you would do. Well. You know, they actually said today that they were Hunter was going to pitch Game Four. That doesn't really. No, mean I know anything, they've said it? that. Yeah, that that doesn't mean anything. I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I read off the probables and I said they're they're probables because they're just that. You know, no. any manager has the right to change it. I, I got to be honest with you. Out of the two teams, I do understand totally what you're the, the fact that the Rangers getting to the World Series scratches your head a lot more than the Giants, and it's in a sense a little bit more urgent for them to win. Right. Because of the whole, I mean, and you name the Red Sox and the Yankees and. You know the Tampa Bay Rays. If they re-sign a player or two, they're, they're the favorites next year in the American League with the, with their young pitchers. Yeah, the Rays probably but, won't be able to re-sign a player, but the fact of the matter is they've done so well with their system. And I, and I said this earlier in the show before you got on. They've done so well with their system that they've figured out how to compete in the AL East. Yeah, and, and if the Giants get back to the, I, I, nothing is guaranteed. Nothing. Ask Dan Marino if anything's guaranteed. He yeah, no, absolutely. That's season. a great example. But, uh, you know, I do think the Giants are going to be a World Series contender for the next, even though they got a bunch of nobodies in their lineup. Matt Cain, Tim Lincecum, Jonathan Sanchez, they're 27 at the oldest. <laughs> okay, and these guys are signed. You know, so they, they have a nice core starting rotation. But uh, between the two teams, I would have to say the Giants are more likely to move everybody up because the Giants' four starter, the, the Baumgartner kid, mm-hmm. 
I, I, you know, it, it's funny as I keep scratching my head. I can't believe how he keeps getting people out. And maybe you just go with a hot hand again in game four, but can he really continue to pitch like he has in the playoffs so far? Yeah, it, it's been a, a outstanding. It's been unbelievable how good Baumgartner has been for the Giants. But I, I think it finally comes to an end. And uh, I, I know they have uh, Josh Hamilton in the middle of the lineup. I would rather use Baumgartner to get Hamilton out in a key situation as a lefty than actually have Baumgartner facing that righty, prominent batting order, which is the Texas Rangers. You know, you can – you look at that. I, th- I feel like almost every year there's some sort of pitcher, be it in the bullpen or the starting rotation, where, where people are saying, can he keep this up? Because the teams relied on him so much to get to where they are, to get to the World Series. But the fact of the matter is, the team that ultimately ends up lifting the trophy at the end of the year has that guy that steps up. Mm-hmm. I mean, in 05 with the Sox, it was Bobby Jenks. He was a nobody. Absolutely. That's a, that's a perfect, a perfect, uh, uh, yeah, think about it. He wasn't even a closer until, what, about June 15th? Yeah, and they brought him, right, you know. They had Shingo Takatsu, and then they had Dustin Hermanson, and next thing you know, they're like, all right, we'll go to the fat dude. And we're all the fat yeah. dude's got a nice hammer, you know, so. So, I mean, you, you, yeah, you're always, I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a fair question, but maybe just as, you know, just as much as Buster Posey, maybe, you know, maybe maybe their their World Series fate rests on Bumgarner. Yeah. So yeah, do you, do you think they're going to use him as a starter in Game Four? Because I think they're almost better off just using him as the spot reliever, the guy to get out Hamilton every time there's a, a clutch situation. Then they as a, well, as that, a but then they would need to bring Linscom back early. Yes, yes, and they would have to bring all three of them back, all three pitchers. So, you, so you're saying. Linscom. So are you saying now that you would you would bring Linscomb back and use Bumgarner situationally? That uh, I'm saying I would pitch all the giant starters on short rest and use Bumgarner uh, situationally. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I feel like, and I also feel. I mean, it, it all depends on how the uh, how the series goes. You know, if if Texas jumps out to a 2-0 lead, there's no really reason to bring back bring Cliff Lee back on short rest. You know. Uh-huh. Because you, but but as I said, when you pitch those those guys in three games, ultimately, you know, as, especially with the Rangers, I mean, it really um, alleviates the rest of the pressure on the uh, on on the rest of the rotation because potentially with the way he's pitching, they only need to win one game. Yeah. Oh my goodness, the way he's pitching right now, yeah, that he could be. I, I was saying he could end up, especially if he signs with the Yankees, being the best playoff pitcher of all time. I, I, right now, he's he's way up there. You're talking about uh, his numbers are comparable to, to Lefty Gomez and Whitey Ford and Dave Stewart, and and this year's run is real comparative to what Oral Hershiser did back in '88. I mean, right now, uh, the it, it was funny how how much everybody was hyped up about the the Roy Halladay Tim Lincecum matchup in the in the NLCS, which they should have been, and it was a great matchup. But you know, I know Halladay has a longer pedigree and track record than Cliff Lee does, but Right now, Cliff Lee is pitching. Not as a playoff starter. Yeah, yeah, as anybody in the history of the game. So, uh, right now, maybe the Lincecum-Lee matchup is the greatest matchup I've ever seen in the history of baseball. Yeah, I mean, people people have talked about how great a playoff pitcher Andy Pettit is. But but he's gotten so much run support. I mean, Lee has shut down lineups. You know, Pettit will give up sometimes three, four runs in a game, in a playoff game, and still win because he's got the Yankee lineup behind him. You know what? There's this is no knock on Andy Pettit, but Andy Pettit is a is a very 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 good number two starter in your playoff roster. 
You know what I mean? Did you, did you really want Andy Pettit? He was never the number one starter ever on any Yankee team ever in their history. Okay, so that, so if you're going to say he has the most wins all time at 19, we're going to just shake our head because at one point in every single playoff series, he was always the number two starter, whether it was uh, Orlando Hernandez or whether it was Roger Clemens or whether it was David Cohn or, uh, or right now C.C. Sabathia, whoever it was. Andy Pettit has never been a number one starter for the Yankees, so you can't say he is the most dominant pitcher because I, I want guys who get wins against guys like Halliday and Lincecum and Lee and Sabathia. You're getting wins against those guys. That Absolutely. impresses me, or is it a lot more than you know getting wins against Levon Hernandez? No, do you understand where I'm getting from? Yeah, you know, I, they, so yeah, I, I completely I agree, agree totally with I, what you're saying about the Andy Pettit. Andy Pettit's a really solid number two. And it, trust me, I wish the Cubs had Andy Pettit the last 15 years. I'd be more than happy. Well, of course, of course. I mean, he's a big-time pitcher. Yeah. I mean, he's a big-time pitcher. You, you want to weigh in on the Lee Linscombe matchup and where it ranks in the echelon of uh, playoff pitching matchups? Give yeah, us a yeah, call yeah. at 888. Go for it. 888-463-6748. Would you bring Lee and Linscombe back on short rest? We're going to take a little rest. We're going to head back into our last break for the home stretch. And coming up, we're going to talk a little NFL football. Brett Favre and Tony Romo. Both are down with serious injuries. Will we see them? When will we see them? What's their prognosis? We'll talk about it coming up here on Two Guys and a Mic. you got Seth Gruen and the big dog, Joel Redwanski. And welcome back into Two Guys and a Mic. Coming up on the home stretch, you've got Seth Gruen sitting in studio for the coach. Alongside, sort of, on the phone with the big dog, Joel Redwanski. 888-GO-FOR-IT. 888-463-6748 if you want to join us and, and talk anything. We've covered uh, the BCS, the World Series. and uh, But now, uh, I'd like to talk a little NFL football, if that's okay with you, the big dog. And as a guy who's broken a lot of collarbones... Can you talk about Tony Romo's prognosis and, and when you think he might be able to come back? He broke his collarbone on his non-throwing left side. Yeah, but that so doesn't that's... make any difference when you're throwing. Seriously. does you, not. You, take it, you create your torque from your left shoulder. You, you see what I'm getting? When you're throwing it with your right, right your, your, your left is, shoulder is one that pulls you through. So it, that, it doesn't matter left or right clavicle. Your clavicle is broken. You have to throw a ball. It's going to be difficult either way. So when do you think he'll be able to come back? I mean, they, they really haven't come out with a prognosis yet. They just admitted he broke or he broke his clavicle, which I guess is is the, the left clavicle is is part of the collarbone or near the p- collarbone, from what yeah, I understand you know, or from what I've read. I have had sex with doctors before, a Korean one, as a matter of fact. But really? I, I actually have never been a doctor. So to me, to guess what's up with Tony Romo, I, it was it was pretty fun. I was listening to uh, ESPN last night and. Steve Young said, well, it's either going to be two, four, or six weeks, maybe longer. And he smiled. Like, he has no idea when they asked him. And I was like, that's, yeah. that's a pretty good answer. So uh, let's just say John Kitna is the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys for the foreseeable future set. Does it matter? 
I mean, they're they're one in five right now, and teams have come back from one in five start to make the playoffs. But you know, without Tony Romo, with John Kitna playing quarterback, I don't know how many games they're going to win. No, no, and 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 in, in the East, what it looks like the Giants, they, now they have a win against the Cowboys, and it looks yeah, they're like, looking good. Most yeah, it looks like the Giants are going to win at least ten games. Okay, it means that the Cowboys season is over with because I doubt they're going to be able to make a. You know, I doubt nine and seven gets you a wild card this year. I think everybody's going to be ten and six with wild cards. You know, even though everybody's like four and three right now, it seems like in the NFC, you're going to need a, a ten and six right unless you win the West, which you know the winner of the West could have six wins. Uh, everybody else is going to need at least ten victories to get in. The Dallas Cowboys season is officially over. Yeah, and don't right don't now. forget you got the Redskins. I mean. And, and Tony Romo aside, the guy doesn't play defense, and the Giants put what forty-one points on him last night. I mean, that, yeah, that's it, embarrassing. Yeah, like uh, Jerry Jones after. Well, you know, Terrence Newman was nicked up. Oh, Terrence Newman had a little bit of an injury, and you gave that's why you gave a forty-one points. One player has a little bit of an injury. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> really, Jerry? <laughs> I mean, I mean, you, 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 it's, it's funny. You, you know, you 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 watch all these pregame shows, and outside of like Keyshawn Johnson and Mike Ditka screaming at each other about how you need to control the line of scrimmage, they all blame Wade Phillips. And you look at the roster, top to bottom. You look at the names, and obviously it's it's freakishly talented, one of the most talented teams in the league on paper. But how much of it is really Wade Phillips' fault, and how much of it, you know, falls on Jerry Jones? Obviously, Jerry Jones is the owner, general manager. He's not going anywhere. Well, but how much I've is played. it his ability to assess how this talent may mesh together? I mean, you don't just fill out a roster with the best names. You look yeah, at how guys complement each other. I mean, yeah, you look you at need role players. Yeah, I mean, Darrell Revis is is a freakishly talented corner, but he's so good in that system because he shuts down a side and opens up. He he allows he he allows the safeties to blitz and excel even more, and that's how they complement each other, and that's how you complement each other in football. I mean, the big. Do you think this Cowboys roster does that? I well, mean, is it the right collection of talent? It's talented. Is it the right collection of talent? Okay, it, it's very difficult for me to actually answer that question because I think the biggest person at fault. I guess Jerry Jones and Wade Phillips are, are in this, but Jason Garrett, are you freaking kidding me? Oh yeah, oh god. You've got, you've got three above-average running backs in the NFL. All of them have a different style of running. So basically. You should run the ball. You should start dominating the line of scrimmage, and you throw it 45 times a game. And I'm not just talking about yesterday. I'm talking all season long. Yeah, well, they're we always down. The Cowboys, I was so happy that they just gave up on the running game in the middle of the, of the second quarter. So like, if, if they ran the ball more, they would have won more, and maybe I could give you a better assessment. Because I tell you this, the number one person to blame is their offensive coordinator, Jason Garrett. Period. That guy is abysmal. You've got Marion Barber. You start imposing your will on another team. You got Felix Jones. You know, spread the field out a little bit and hit one up the seam. I mean, the guy can score from anywhere on the field. The star choice is awesome out of the backfield catching passes, and yet they drop back and swing it to Miles Austin over and over and over again. And 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 I will I'll say it again: whoever has more passing errors in the game typically loses. Look look at look at every single. If you look through the box scores every single week, Seth, and, and, and look what I'm talking about. Whoever has, whichever quarterback has a better passing rater, rating wins, and whoever has the, has more passing yards loses. It's, it's about taking care of the football. And, mm-hmm. and speaking of taking care of the football, it just come out that Brett Favre has two fractures in his ankle. I mean, oh. this guy's playing this week, right? 
I'm extremely disappointed if he doesn't play for one simple reason. I'm very, very selfish, you know, and I'm not on the Chicago Bears, but I love the Bears so much. I want to be the, wanted to be the Bears who ended his streak. I can't stand that son of a bitch. I've never liked that jackass. I've never trusted him. He's one of those people that should be selling snake oil. I, 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 I've never fallen for his, oh, I love the game and all that stuff. He's a selfish bastard. And I want the Bears to be able to break him and never play football again. And I don't usually talk hateful. I don't. I, I don't. I don't even hate the Packers. But I, I seriously, I don't hate the Cardinals. I'm a diehard Cubs fan, diehard Bears fan. I don't hate any of those teams. But uh, Brett Favre has always rubbed me the wrong way. And again, he's trying to be. You know, he's trying to pay this woman off in order for so uh, his Mickey Rooney. You know, something that's short, pink, and wrinkly doesn't get exposed. Okay, but I'm telling you, the guy is a pos. And uh, hopefully, the Bears are the one that break him, and not uh, the Minnesota Vikings this past Sunday. Right. Obviously, he 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 um. Yeah, I, I always question how much of this he kind of plays up to being the warrior. I mean, his limp was significantly worse when he was walking off the podium after well, the press no, conference you, as you, it was when he was walking back off the field. Yeah, well, no, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever played any sports, but I, I'm not going to question whether or not he's hurt because he actually has fractures in his in Well, his yeah, yeah, I, and that's what I was uh, – yeah, but, you know, the – what kind of fractures? That that's a, that's a really that's a really all encompassing term. I mean, it could be a hairline fracture. It is. It is a hairline fracture, by the way. And and I, I will tell you this: there's been times I actually played uh, my sophomore year at McMurray. I, I horrible, horrible. Uh, I got tackled from uh, the side, and my leg was killing me. My ankle was killing me. I couldn't believe, and I kept playing, and I kept playing. And then when the game was done, I couldn't even walk on it, and I had played two and a half quarters on it. And my buddies were like, dude, you weren't even living in the game. Quit faking it. And I'm like, man, I can't even move it. Went to the hospital. I don't know if it was broke. So, yeah, you you can play through stuff when the adrenaline well, is going, and then all of a sudden well, the game's over with. True, true toughness, Big Dog. we got to wrap it up. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, uh, Coach should be back time. in next week. week. Same time, two guys in a mic tomorrow. Seth Gruen. See you later, guys.